Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. And the topic is Don't Stop Living Your Life. So often when a problem occurs inside or around us, we revert to thinking that if we put our life on hold, we can positively contribute to the solution. If a relationship isn't working, if we face a difficult decision, if we're feeling depressed, we may put our life on hold and torment ourselves with obsessive thoughts. Wow, this is <laughs> this is definitely it's not shocking that anything Melody Beatty would write is true, but you know, I think this is part of why weekends can drive me nuts because, you know, those are times that I actually can't do anything for a lot of the problems that I have and I end up spending a big chunk of it worrying about it. Back to the reading. Abandoning our life or routines contributes to the problem and delays us from finding the solution. Frequently, the solution comes when we let go enough to live our life, return to our routine, and to stop obsessing about the problem, aka self-care and play. Sometimes even, and Jim, sometimes even if we don't feel like we have let go or can let go, we can act as if we have. And that will help bring about the letting go we desire. You don't have to give up your pro power to problems. You can take your focus off your problem and direct it to your life, trusting that doing so will bring you closer to a solution. Today, I will go on living my life and tending to my routine. I will decide as often as I need to, to stop obsessing about whatever is bothering me. If I don't feel like letting go of a particular thing, I will act as if I have let go of it until my feelings match my behavior. Um, and, you know, and this is a, a dramatic difference um, in recovery versus the previous life where it was like, I never spent any weekends not thinking about work. You know, and it almost became a part of my quote unquote routine um, or made it hard for me to have a routine. And I'm so grateful that I never sacrifice the gym because that you know the best ideas ideas you know and now there's other areas it could be gym it could be transcendental meditation which only because of the quarantine i've like started uh recently um it could be a shower it could be a walk um it could be grounding exercises but a lot of times the answers come to the routine the answers don't come in the thinking and the obsessing um and i'm just uh and however when those moments of adversity happen, you know, I find it very tough uh, to rely on my tools. Um, and I just need to remind myself that, you know, I can remind, uh, I can rely on those tools at any time or build those tools in, you know, as, as part of my routine. And, you know, some of that could, you know, involve, uh, you know, relationships and things like that. So the next topic is boundaries. Sometimes life and people seem to push and push. Because we are so used to pain, we may tell ourselves it doesn't hurt. But we are so used to people controlling and manipulating us, we may tell ourselves there is something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. Life is pushing and hurting to get our attention. Sometimes the pain and pushing are pointing toward a lesson. The lesson may be that we become too controlling, or maybe we're being pushed to our own power to take care of ourselves. The issue is boundaries. If something or somebody is pushing us to our limit, that's exactly what's happening. We're being pushed to our limits. We can be grateful for the lesson that's here to help us explore and set our boundaries. Today, I will give myself permission to set the limits I want and need to set 
in my life. And again, I think what recovery, and it's a slow one, has given me uh, a sense of power. Um, or I shouldn't say power, choice is probably more accurate. Power seems um, kind of like not the goal. Maybe it was the goal prior to it. And I think, you know, a lot of times, um, yeah, I sh- there's a lot of, well, I shouldn't feel hurt, but the thing is you do. And I think from there, you like, you can do action, but to negate your feelings, you know, uh, it's just, it's not been, it's it's not a very effective way uh, for me to live my life, I've found. And not a nuanced way, especially if, you know, a lot of times the goal um, is to think that there's always something wrong. You know, I think there's, it can be more nuanced to that. And also it allows me to accurately assess, um, you know, by telling myself that there's nothing wrong with me to accurately assess, um, you know, in a clear, calm manner, you know, what, what could I improve? Not what should I improve? Now to ACA strengthening my recovery, and the topic is service. Meanwhile, those who are spiritually awake accept 12-step work with an attitude of service rather than sacrifice. By the time we reach this step, we know the difference between being a rescuer and giving service with love. Placing the solution and problem on the walls does not a meeting make. Reading the opening script and closing down the meeting doesn't make a meeting either. What makes the meeting is the spirit with which these tasks are done. A spirit of gratitude, I'm guessing. Back to the reading. Giving service from a space of love in ACA is a spiritually enhancing experience for all involved. By the time we have been in ACA for a while, after having taken the steps and being graced with a spiritual awakening, our ability to do service from love has also been established. We know the difference between control and service. We know of tolerance and boundaries. We know how to be thoughtful, realizing we are only seeking to follow the group's conscious in furtherance of our primary purpose, to carry the message to the suffering adult child who is seeking recovery. Primary purpose right there of this brilliant program. Adult children are attracted to spiritually awakened ACAs and groups and wish to help keep doors open. We realize that were it not for the meeting, we might have little hope of recovering. And we trust each other since our service comes with no strength attached. On this day, I will give service to the ACA Fellowship from love, realizing that I am supporting my own progress when I help make another member's progress possible. And now to the final reading, authority figures. We realize that life today really is different than when we were children without a voice. Big Red Book, page 73. Yeah, and I think that's where the, you know, that, relationship with the authority figures, you know, for the first 18 years or however long we let it go, or it could be even much longer than 18 years. I think that's just a, uh, a metric, a metric that's not necessarily accurate at all. Um, and to feel helpless or to learn helplessness or the powerlessness and, you know, also not having, you know, not just, um, you know, the fear, but also having the tools, you know, the skills, the articulation, the able to, you know, communicate a point, uh, to have respectful communications. And so once you lose the voice, um, it's a lot of work to think that you deserve to have the voice back um, and to articulate it. Now back to the reading. The authority figures we grew up with were scary. They got angry when anyone, anyone questioned or challenged them. Yeah, that is definitely the truth in our family. 
There didn't seem to be any logic to it, so we did what we could do to avoid having the anger directed at us. As adults, we often felt our boss's behaviors resembled that of her parents. This is also true. The potential authority they wielded made us feel like that little kid. You know, I can even feel myself shrinking sometimes, you know, in the room. Back to the reading. We avoided asking for help because we expected to be belittled. From our experience and that of our friends, that was a very real fear. Because like our parents, many bosses are good at pouncing on the weak. And I might add, you know, recreating those relationships might be in a, in a way to think that maybe that is the, the type of manager that you need. You know, that is the type of God that you need. It's modeled that after the authority figures, uh, especially if you consider a lot of people the authority figures. And then similar, I think, as Tony A says in the laundry list, I either wanted to kiss or kill them. You know, and that's where, you know, going to the other side and the, you know, adult children trade of all or nothing thinking comes in. Back to the reading. We avoided asking for help because we expected to be belittled. From our experience and that of our friends, that was a very real fear because like our parents, many bosses are good at pouncing on the weak. So rather than risk confrontation and because we became adept at figuring things out for ourselves as children, we decided that was the way to survive at work. It was exhausting. We realized early in recovery that we wanted and needed to find our voice, but the stakes seemed too high to experiment at work. Wow, this is true. So we role-played situations with our fellow travelers. Great idea. We practiced what we could say or what we might have said. We gradually started to gain self-confidence. And when the time was right, we spoke up. The elation we felt when it worked was indescribable. We were becoming who we knew we could be. We were making a difference to ourselves. On this day, I will practice finding my voice with someone in the program. I trust so when the time comes, I'll be ready to speak up for myself. And that concludes another readings that I'm privileged that there's such a great book and I don't have to read so much useless self-craft that I used to before. Uh, okay, <laughs> calm down there, Kwant. Anyways, until next time, this is Kwant Sluja reminding myself to love myself, to feel my feelings, and to pause because that's where God is.